Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com here. It is the list in your boy, number 49. We are inching closer and closer to that year mark. Sean, what did you post on Twitter about five minutes ago, you bastard? What did you post An on Twitter? An actual quote from you. And what was that? <laughs> Go ahead and read the quote. Read it. Go ahead and read it. I was trying to type out a plug. Quote, this is one of those days I wish I didn't have to do the fucking podcast. <laughs> From Jimmy Van. <laughs> so today, those end up being our best shows. They always end up being our best shows when one of us has come into this this situation on like two hours of sleep, or we're dying of Ebola, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. We end up knocking it out of the park. You got quite the hair thing happening this week. You look like it's wet on one side and dry on the other, sort of. It is. <laughs> I showered today. We do bathe in Kentucky. Oh, is your like contrary you're... to what WWE would have you believe with the Sarah Logan character of late? Right. So today's we your bi-weekly day. Yeah. <laughs> so so this week, so my business partner's wife had a baby. He's out this week, so I'm doing uh, some of his tasks. Congrats Plus, to Luke. Congrats to Luke. Plus today is my wife's birthday, uh, and I don't want to give away too much, although she knows a little bit. I've been trying to get something made for her, and it turned out to be a lot more of a shit show than I thought it was going to be. It's amazing how companies that do certain things for a living, like this is their fucking business. They do this for a living, make it so difficult to actually do what you want them to do. They make it so tough. And so my wife knows that it's been just a shit show uh, to try to get that done. Today's been a very busy day, and uh, my wife really likes tuna tartare. Oh, yeah? Restaurants don't like to give you takeout of that because it's raw fish and it's a liability concern. I was able to get uh, a nice restaurant, Chibo, you know it. Yeah. Uh, I was able to get them to uh, get me tuna tartare that I could then take home to my wife, uh, who's taking care of her kids because she loves tuna tartare. So it's been a hell of a busy day, Sean. But I'm here with you, man. You are. I'm here with you. And, of course, happy birthday to your wife. I was fortunate enough to meet her 
when I was in Toronto, a wonderful woman. She is. She uh, is, and you know what? I'll be the first to say that she is sometimes underappreciated and overworked. And uh, being a mom is very hard. Let me tell you, it's it's very hard. And uh, so I wish you happy birthday. And I don't say it enough because it's uh, I guess it's just not my way. But I love you. You know, your kids love you. So uh, happy birthday. I hope you enjoyed the tuna tartare. Actually, I got a text from her saying how amazing it was. So I know she did. But uh, there you go. Tuna tartare. Man, I, I didn't even know what a tartare was <laughs> until a, a few years ago when Diego Sanchez vomited repeatedly before his fight. Because of because that? Ate, really? Because he ate beef tartare. Okay, yeah. Like hours before he fought. Oh, that's not smart at all. Brilliant idea, right? So have you ever had tuna tartare, Sean? No, I've never had anything tartare. Okay, so have you? I'm sure you have, Nigel. Tuna tartare? No. Yeah. Beef, beef, yeah. Okay, so it's basically raw tuna, right? And they dice it up, and, and there's a place up the street. They make it with avocado. It's spectacular. Really, really good. And my wife likes it, but she doesn't get out of the house a lot because of the two kids. So I went and got her... Uh, Tuna tartare, which it, it's really, really good. I want to tell you a story today, Sean. I'm enjoying my giant jug of water, Jimmy. What happened to the Monster Energy drinks? I just drank one earlier. I can't, like, pound them down. I limit myself. No more than two a day. I thought you were up to, like, a, you know, a baker's dozen at this point. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I will not drink more than two of those a day. I'll have maybe some tea throughout. I've, I do have some tea throughout the day, though. There you go. Well, you know that I am a good Canadian, so I, uh, I have... Little faithful here with me today. Oh Tim, yeah, Tim Hortons. So I want to tell you a story, Sean. So Go ahead. Uh, you're tell familiar, them on occasions. You, I occasionally I like to tell stories. You're familiar with the eighty twenty rule? No, eighty twenty rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what that means, right? The Pareto principle. It basically means that twenty uh, percent of your clients are responsible for eighty percent of your business. That's the eighty twenty rule. Okay, no, I was not familiar with that. Okay, it's a business term, and it's pretty accurate most of the time. Uh, in Toronto, when it comes to the real estate market, and I'm sure a lot of big cities are like this, New York, I'm sure, is like this, and, and LA, wherever, it seems like in big cities like Toronto, the rule is 95-5 when it comes to real estate agents. And what I mean by that is 5% of the real estate agents are responsible for 95% of the business. And because you, as you, Nadja probably knows, there's like 20,000 real estate agents in, in Toronto. I believe it. I believe it based on the, the residential situation I saw there. And, well, most of them are plugs. Like most, most real estate agents are just plugs, and, and they're not very good at what they do, and they probably don't make a very good living. So um, a couple of months ago, I put my house – about six weeks ago, I put my house up on the market. And I live in a decent part of town. It's a decent-sized house, and admittedly, it was a decent price tag too. And I had heard that the mortgage rules uh, were changing in Canada, and it was going to make it harder for people to get a mortgage. But I figured, you know what, I live in a nice part of town, and I've seen other places go real quick, so no worries. If I have to sit on the house for two months before it sells, I'll do that, right? What I didn't anticipate was that that 95 percentile of real estate agent, you know, the plugs of the Toronto real estate market, yeah. were going to be a thorn in my side during this process. And have you ever had a house for sale while you were living in it, Sean? No, I've not. Have you ever had a house for sale while you were living in it? Okay. No. So it's a pain in the ass because you got to keep it tidy and staged. You know, you can't be there when there's a viewing. That means with two little kids, you got to pack them up, you got to get them out. Then you've gone for an hour, bring them back, get them out for the next one, whatever, Jeez. right? And what I have discovered was these shitty agents. They don't do their due diligence. They don't assess their clients' needs. They don't figure out what their clients really want. And so we would do these showings. And the feedback we would get was feedback that had they done any research, they would have saved me the hassle, right? Yeah. 
It's things like, oh, we want a house that's uh, more recently built than 2008. Well, cool. If you had looked at the listing for five seconds, you would have seen when it was built, right? Yes. So last Sunday, Sean, let me tell you this story. Last Sunday, we had a couple showings, right? That meant we had to tidy the house, stage the house, pack up the kids, get them out, bring them back, get them out again, right? End of the day comes, I get the feedback from the agent, my agent. Uh, oh, the first one no-showed. First one canceled, Ooh. last minute. Oh, that's really good. The second one, get this, Sean. I want to see Nigel's reaction. The second one, Sean, oh, the house has too much crown molding. What? Do you know what crown molding is, Sean? I don't. I'm not fancy enough. Crown molding is a set. Nigel's like shocked by this feedback. Crown molding is essentially a decorative thing. It's kind of a high end thing. It's a cap that okay, is on yeah. the. It's basically on the corners of your of your house between the wall and the ceiling, where the wall and yeah, the ceiling yeah. meet, right? Yeah. And it's a decorative cap made of plaster, and it's it's quite expensive. And usually you see it in like high end homes, right? Mm -hmm. So I got a piece of feedback saying house had too much crown molding in it. Can you fucking believe that? You know what I told my agent? You know what I told my agent, Sean, Nigel? You know what I told him? I said, so let me confirm. So today I had to, we had to tidy the house up. I had to get the kids out and then bring them back a couple hours later, get them out again. And you're telling me one no-showed, the other said too much crowd molding. You know what I told my agent? My house is officially off the market. Wow. I'm officially pulling the listing because I'm sick and fucking tired of dealing with these plug agents. Because let me tell you something. Again, 95% of the agents in the city... They don't make a living. Like most of them, they have to do yeah. other things and, and right? Because they don't, they're just not very good at what they do. And I'm tired of it. And I told my agent, the house is officially off the market. And once I move into my new place and I'm out of my current place, then I'll put then it back on. You're going to move me to Toronto. I knew it. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might be the only time I can recall where someone pulled their house off the market because they were tired of dealing with shitty agents not doing their jobs. Not my agent. My agent's really good. It's the, the buyer's agents that suck shit. And so, and so that's what I did. Yeah. I pulled my house off the market. Too much crown molding, Nigel. Yeah, well, can't have that. Can you believe that? <laughs> no. How dare you? That's, that's like, crazy. Sean, that's like a step up from, oh, crap, they have indoor plumbing. Yeah. It's me. like a step up from that, Sean. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I wanted to tell you that story because I thought it was so ludicrous. Sounds like a frustrating week. Ah, you take the good with the bad, Sean, you know? You take the good with the bad, you know? There's there's good in my life, but then, you know, Wednesdays i got to talk to you. So I kind of try That's to balance mean. it all out, right? Why would you say something <laughs> mean like that? <laughs> why would I, you do that, Jimmy? I forgot Sean's sensitive, Nigel. Oh. I'm so sensitive. Why would, why would you say something that mean, Jimmy? I apologize. So uh, today I have some wrestling medical stuff to discuss. Yeah. And, I have, and I have some wrestling business stuff to discuss. Yes. And I posted on Twitter yesterday, I think it was, about how 2017 was an interesting year for questionable business decisions, which is true, right? There's been a lot of stuff this year, very, very questionable, right? Oh, God, yeah. And, uh, and it just worked out that way. So I have some updates on some stuff. I want to talk first about Bret Hart. Okay. Uh, Nigel, I'm sure you know who Bret the Hitman Hart is. I do. Calgary, Calgary pro wrestler. So he, uh, reported by the Calgary Sun yesterday, today is December 6th, so it was reported by the Calgary Sun yesterday, December 5th, Bret Hart has filed a $1 million lawsuit against a plastic surgeon in Calgary named Dr. Justin Young for what Hart alleges was a botched wrist surgery that has left him without the use of his right index finger and thumb. He says he went, underwent surgery two years ago to fix a decades-old injury, uh, and it's left him with severe disabilities and limitations. 
Uh, he has since undergone another surgery uh, in Vancouver, but it's too early to know the outcome and whether or not that'll fix the problem. Now, I didn't know the severity of his of his injury. I knew that he had a hand problem. And I don't know if you remember uh, Payback uh, 2016, the Payback pay-per-view. It was Natalia yeah. versus Charlotte, which is ironic because they're feuding again. But it was Natalia versus Charlotte. And Ric Flair was in Charlotte's corner. So Bret Hart was in Natalia's corner. And he was interviewed afterwards. And he said that he didn't want to do it because of his hand. But yeah. He, but he felt obligated because of he wanted to help Natalia. And if you go back and watch that footage, Bret trying to roll over Flair for the sharpshooter was very difficult for him you could see he was very I, I forgot slow all about doing that it, right and so i knew the hand was a problem or i knew that he had had surgery on the hand but i didn't know that it was that severe that he couldn't even use his uh thumb or index finger apparently he can't hold a pen and he can't dress himself and and all that so well, i hope he gets his i hope he gets the money that he deserves maybe uh i mean i don't know the guy seems perpetually miserable but yeah i imagine he, he doesn't feel too hot a stroke concussions can't use his hand. Yeah, he I does mean, seem he, like he's pretty miserable, but at the same time, he probably deals with a lot of just pain day to day, you know? Yeah. Hey, and pain in the asses beyond that as well. I'm sure there's a lot of just I'm foolishness sure. he dealt, deals with on a daily basis. Man. I'm sure. Yeah. And now along the same lines, I guess, this one this one I thought was really unfortunate. Uh, it was reported by TheBlast.com on December 5th that Rob Van Dam has filed documents in his ongoing divorce with his estranged wife, Sonia, regarding their financial settlement. And he's arguing that he should pay less support than she's asking for because he's living on substantially less income than he was before. He says that he suffered a concussion in a match uh, on November 12th of last year that has caused visual impairment and has, quote, disqualified me from working for the WWE. Uh, he also claims that his Legends deal ran out in July of this year and was not renewed. I went back and looked up that match from November 12, 2016. It was for Pacific Coast Wrestling. Uh, the match took place in Torrance, California. He wrestled Pentagon Jr. And he looked like the Rob Van Dam that we would know. I mean, he he did suicide dives. He did all of his big spots. Mm-hmm. So to think that, but when you looked at the crowd at that show, maybe four to 500 people, maybe. Uh, so it's unfortunate to think that he would suffer a concussion in that match that would, you know, presumably hurt his chances of going back to WWE. So apparently he's in a hard way now financially. It's too bad. Yeah, it is because he, he's going through a divorce situation too, it looks like. But, yeah, well, that's what this is for, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Did so, you listen I mean, to what was, I said, Sean? Like yeah, when I was I actually I, telling I that you story, were you listening? Because he couldn't work for WWE that he was in a rough financial way. But, I mean, no, that's well, going to – it's going to mess him up, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He is a guy that I think, like, you know, he walks to the beat of his own drum, but he's a guy that I think should probably, if he could get his head on straight, it's hard to tell based on interview to interview how he'd perform. Yeah. But, hey, you know, there, there are guys making a living right now recounting the history of WCW and WWF on podcasts, mm-hmm. and he was a guy who was there throughout – the good and the bad of ECW, outside of maybe the early days. Mm-hmm. If he and Todd Gordon got on a podcast, maybe maybe they could do a little something. He could make a little bit of money, something like that. Uh, I hope that he can adapt, and I'm sure he'll continue. He's, he's still working. Is he? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's still working. Because he says visual impairment, so he's got to be careful if that's the case. Yeah, but one of the Quebecers wore a goddamn eye patch. True, that's true. And... Scotty Riggs wrestled with an eye patch too. Yeah. yeah so true. I I think he's I don't think that'll keep him from wrestling. Plus he keeps himself in in fairly good shape. Yeah. I mean that footage from the show last year, he looked like 
Rob Van Dam, as we all know him. Like, he looked to be uh, in good shape. Yeah, he wrestled this weekend. He did? In, really? Yeah, in Italy. He wrestled in the U.K. in November, wrestled in Australia in August. Wow. So he's still re- not just wrestling, wrestling around the world. So it's just WWE that won't touch him? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, come on. Daniel Bryan's going to make a ton of money in, like, 10 months if WWE lets his contract go. They won't. I think I think almost Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are kind of hedging their bets on that they will. That way they can kind of put him on whatever card it is that they're going to promote and try to fill up an arena. You want to make a bet? No, I don't want to make a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Bryan's going nowhere, so don't, don't kid yourself. Uh, this, ne- well. this next story, uh, I already know your opinion on it, Sean, uh, because it was pretty silly. And this is not this is not directly pro wrestling related, but it's indirectly pro wrestling related because pro wrestling has long dealt with mainstream journalists. Uh, oh God! Yeah, story. you already know where I'm going. So I sure do. Pro wrestling has long dealt with mainstream journalists that display complete ignorance when it comes to covering wrestling, a complete lack of research, a complete lack of education, and a lack of respect. When all is said and done. Uh, I keep thinking about Nancy Grace when she did the story about uh, deaths by drug use because of the Benoit story, and Owen Hart's name was on the list because somebody didn't even bother to do two seconds of research. That's the kind of stuff that pro wrestling has long dealt with when it comes to the mainstream media. So last weekend, there was a UFC show, UFC 218, took place at the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. We actually sent James Lynch to the show to cover it. He did an awesome great job. Great coverage. Yeah, awesome coverage. Did a great job. But what happened afterwards was there was a fellow by the name of Carlos Menares, who I think deserves a nice fruit basket, and uh, he wrote a story for the Detroit Free Press, and it was very clear that he went into it with an agenda, into this article. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, because he complained, it's a very negative article about the event, uh, he complained about the lack of star power, uh, which is one thing I, I'll give him, I guess, you know, I'll agree with him, I guess, on that. Kind of. Well, Holloway kind and Aldo, of. not a great pay-per-view main event. It'd be cool for yeah, a fight night. You got Holloway and Aldo, both former champions, and Ganu, who everybody knew the next big thing. Alistair Overeem, a former title challenger. Henry Cejudo, a former title challenger. Sergio Pettis, a well-known brother of a former champion. Eddie Alvarez, former champion. Justin Gaethje has been pushed to the moon. Tisha Torres and Michelle Waterson was in the goddamn ESPN body issue. They... Felice Herrig on um, like American Ninja Warrior. You have some people with some crossover appeal. Will it do more than two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand? No. No. But this show, when when this show was like booked, everybody was like, "Damn, they booked the hell out of this show." This was well, this was great. Everybody knew it was going to be a good card. This was the problem with having a guy like Carlos Moneros do the reporting on it because well, yeah. he was ignorant from the get go. He misspelled Ronda Rousey's name. Which is, which is which is ludicrous. He clearly went in with a disdain for MMA. Uh, he made a point of saying that he likes to watch boxing but not MMA. He, he said something about when it, when the fights go to the ground, they, they're stalled or something. Um, it was clear that he just went in not a fan of MMA. And as the Detroit Free Press, as the editor, how do you sign a guy to, to cover a show who's going to shit all over it because he goes in with an agenda of not liking MMA, and again, this is what pro wrestling has long dealt with. This guy said the show was underwhelming and formulaic. He actually used the word meh. Uh, he said it yeah. lacked, and here's something I thought was so silly. He said it, it lacked Detroit luminaries like Eminem and Kid Rock. He actually said oh, that. Boy. Like, that would make a difference if you got Kid Rock sitting in the front row for this stupid show. 
He uh, he said the Pistons put on a better show at the Palace, talking about the Palace of Auburn Hills, where the Detroit Pistons play. He uh, and and he talked about how it just it just was underwhelming. This show had 13 fights. Of that 13 fights, eight of them ended by knockout or TKO. One ended by submission, and only four of the 13 ended by decision. Eight knockouts on a show, and he said it was underwhelming. And and you already mentioned it. The uh, the Holloway fight was a good fight. The Alvarez fight was a really good fight. And the Naganu knockout was insane. It was an all time great knockout. It was. And and this Monterez guy acknowledged this was his first live show. And again, it was very clear he was going to shit on the show no matter what. They could have literally had thirteen fights, thirteen exciting knockouts, and he would have found a way to shit on it. They they had two fight of the year candidates right. on this show. Right. Two right. great ones. Holloway and Aldo, another good fight. Nganu Overeem, unbelievable. You had prospects emerging like Dominic Reyes and Justin Willis. You had uh, Paul Felder elbowing Oliveira through the mat. This guy went in there with an agenda. He did go in with an agenda. He did. Dropped his pants and took a dump all over his laptop, and that's what came out. <laughs> this he did. sucked. It was so obvious that he uh, – it was so, it's just so bad. And you know, I'm used to this because anytime I read like local radio station – Right, like they had the radio personalities right. Right, you'll always see that typical thing that's like, well, actually, the popular opinion is wrong, that type of thing, and that's probably what he was going for. But man, MMA world was not having it. That was a great show. That was an awesome show. We know how for years now the boxing community has kind of shit on MMA because yeah. boxing's popularity has declined and MMA's popularity has skyrocketed. Right. Uh, I'll tell you a quick little story again, and I'm not going to mention names because he's actually always been good to me, but there's a guy I know in the boxing world, uh, and he's very heavily involved in amateur boxing. And a few years ago, I got a a pair of tickets from him for uh, Floyd Mayweather, Robert Guerrero in Vegas, and uh, went to the show and and had great seats and everything. Prior to the show, he hit me up and he said, do you want me for a drink, Uh, you know, at a bar there, wherever it was, uh, Caesars or wherever it was? And so I met him for a drink. He was an older gentleman, and you know we didn't have a lot in common, but we were just kind of talking about the night. And I said to him, what do you think of uh, UFC? And he immediately said, I hate it. It's shit. I hate it. And that kind of killed the conversation a little bit because I didn't want to agree with him, but I also didn't want to yeah. be disrespectful to him because he got me the tickets. And I left that conversation thinking to myself, this is kind of what the boxing community mindset is. Oh, right? Joe, we, we had a... An outstanding amateur boxer at our gym, but he was reaching the age of 30, and he hadn't fought in a few years. His dad fought professionally, fought on ESPN, and we would always try to get him to compete in MMA. We're like, listen, you might be too old to make it as a pro boxer. You are not too old to make it as a pro MMA fighter. We would later find out that he had an extensive karate background, which helps with kicks. Uh, He wrestled in high school. Like That's a solid foundation for an amateur MMA fighter to go in – have a couple fights and try to make some money as a pro. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't do it, and his girlfriend told us it's because his boxing buddies would often be like, oh, that's gay. That's gay. Really? MMA stuff is gay. He would do class with us and stuff, but he would never take that leap, and that's unfortunate because he could have – when you go into the amateur ranks and you're looking to feel out like your talent level and stuff, I think he would have found that his boxing – and his wrestling that he had mm-hmm. were far beyond many that are just getting started. So that's you know that's, what's interesting. It's 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 similar to me the way that some box people look at MMA is similar to how some MMA people look at pro wrestling. Yeah, because we've some, seen some it, yeah. some some not all but some because we've seen it with uh, Fightful 
where, oh, yeah. yes, there is a lot of crossover, but at the same time, we've struggled to get the MMA audience because a lot of hardcore MMA fans absolutely despise pro wrestling. And uh, the, even though we have great MMA content, they see a wrestling story and it turns them off. Sometimes. I would go as far as to say we had the best UFC 218 content of anybody. Like we, me and Pat Fannin were there the night of UFC 218, just as soon as James Lynch was firing in those videos, getting the articles, putting them up. Uh, all throughout the week, media day, open workouts. That was awesome. And, Jimmy, that's such a far cry. And it was it was a battle mm-hmm. for us to get to UFC 218. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. UFC didn't want to do it at first, and we haven't necessarily opened up on that. But it was not easy. And then I look at WWE situation, and I'm like, man, they wouldn't give us any play if we wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. it's so different. Like, they tiptoe that line. I made this long thread about it on Twitter, like how odd it is. To deal with WWE and how, like, if something negative happens, boy, they're, they're firing up your inbox. They're they're letting you know about it. But if you need to know anything about a story, boy, it is just – it's a ghost town in your inbox from WWE. It's such a weird one-sided thing. And I had a conversation with somebody from WWE about one of my tweets last week. And they had kind of said, like, well, I thought we had a good working relationship – Tweets like that might ruin it, and I, I said to the person, ruin what? All the comments that you all don't give us on shit that we ask for? Mm. Like, what, what are you trying to do? I look at what James Lynch did at UFC 218, and I'm like, why is it that hard for WWE to say, okay, at WWE Fastlane, we will do a media day the morning of or the day before, and wrestling media, you are welcome to come as well, mm-hmm. get some content. I mean, you're going to have some turds that are eventually going to get banned from it. And that happens in the UFC, too. Mm-hmm. And they control the environment, and it works really well. There are websites like us who make our living and thrive on this content, but they would rather give that content to somebody else. The ESPN, Sports Illustrated. I, The guy that I spoke to when I said, well, you know, you all didn't return my comment about the Dana Warrior article I did. They said – well, we issued one device, and I said, yeah, that was three weeks after we ran our story. Mm-hmm. That wasn't exactly timely. And the irony of it is, Jimmy, had they issued a comment to Fightful, it's quite possible that that Vice article would have never been written because WWE would have already spoken out on the issue. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a weird dynamic and environment. And that conversation that I had last week kind of kicked off that 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 thread that I have up on my uh, Twitter right now. But I, I look at that and I'm like, is it that – or is wrestling media that bad? No, because I've covered politics. I've covered sports. I've covered entertainment. Mm-hmm. There are hacks in every form of them. Sure. I, I, I think – I mean obviously WWE is full of paranoia. I mean Vince McMahon oh, yeah. and, and Stephanie and Hunter, they're very paranoid. They want to control everything right down to social media in WWE. And I think a lot of it is – let's say something goes on behind the scenes like you know the whole Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon thing from – I think it was the Vice.com article? That came yes. out. I think that they're concerned about that, that, that you're going to have Stephanie someplace being interviewed and someone's going to ask her about something like that and put her on the spot, and she doesn't want to deal with that. And I think that that kind of thing kills it all because they just avoid it entirely because they don't want to deal with it, right? And, and I think that's, that's bad because as I mentioned in that thread, you're going to – like if you give Paige an interview, somebody's going to ask about the leaks. Absolutely. It's going to happen. For sure. For sure. It will happen. But if you tell that person, hey – we would really prefer if you would stay away from these topics. That's not unreasonable to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
I don't have to go to WWE Fastlane and be on some search for some giant investigative story. Like, that doesn't have to be the case. You can just go there for content. And they you – know, sometimes they'll do it for SummerSlam and WrestleMania, and there are some wrestling websites that are loosely affiliated with some bigger websites that will get through there. But by and large, the way that WWE treats wrestling media is very, very odd. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even – like production companies, like TV channels, like AMC, they treat Walking Dead fan sites better than WWE often treats pro wrestling websites. And there's always that that notion of like, oh, well, the, it's just copy and paste, copy and paste. I hate to tell you all, aggregation is a necessary evil in all forms of news. You're, if you go to Yahoo.com right now, on their front page, you'll see something they aggregated from somebody else. Between a lot That's, of sponsored posts. Between a ton of sponsors. <laughs> and the thing is, if you don't do that, somebody else will, and somebody will see that site as a more complete website. That's why everything that falls through the cracks at Fightful, uh, myself or Brian Rose put in what we call fight size updates. Because we can't justify somebody clicking like a, a link to go to a, like a 10-word article about some video. Mm-hmm. So we'll throw it in the fight size updates at the beginning of the end of the day. That way our viewers don't miss anything. But the way that WWE approaches it is just so weird. I think that they get the idea that everybody who does what like what I'm doing wants to work for them. And that's just – maybe that was the case 10 years ago. It's not the case now. Well, they, they the guy you talked to more or less told you that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I can't express how little that I want to move to like a place like Connecticut and mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Like it's not what I want to do. It's – it's mm-hmm. just such a weird thing and the, the stigma associated with wrestling coverage when, my God, take a look at Fightful's exclusive section. Some of the stuff that we have covered. Just today, Brandon Howard uh, doing an article about uh, WWN's home video number or their, their video sale numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All the investigative stuff David Bixenspan has done for us. I'm working on a long form right now where I'm interviewing a lot of uh, a lot of really good names. Like, it's... It's just not what they think it is, and uh, it's so goddamn frustrating to deal with. Yep, it is, and uh, and again, that's why when I saw this Detroit Free Press story, I thought about how the wrestling uh, business is treated by the mainstream media, very similarly to how this I guy bet treated you, if UFC. If the Detroit Free Press wanted an interview with Biggie Langston tomorrow, they'd get it too. Oh, in a second they would. Yeah, and they would spend the whole time talking about the color of his tights. To be honest, if we renamed Fightful. The Toronto Fight Tribune. We might get an interview. <laughs> might take we the might... word "fight" out. You might have to take the word "fight" out, but uh, yeah, yeah. We you could call it the T- Toronto Turd Tribune, and they'd still give it to you. <laughs> if it didn't have "fight" or "wrestle" in it, yeah, yeah, good to go. Yeah, put some bullshit call letters so they think you have a television affiliation. Yeah. Sorry for the rant, guys, but I had a lot of people asking me about that, and. I just read it thinking it's so silly, especially when, again, the fights that we saw in the knockouts and everything were so spectacular. Oh, yeah. That was man. a jackass. That's all there is Oh, to he it. was such a dickweed. Yeah, he was. I can tell you who wasn't a dickweed. <laughs> Puccini, formerly known as Rich Brennan. I talked to him last week. We talked about a lot of stuff, and you'll hear about it in coming weeks, too, where he'll <laughs> talk about, like, who was his boss at WWE, who worked over him. But tomorrow night, he's calling uh, MLW Never Say Never with Tony Schiavone. 
It's a pretty good card, too. You got John Hennigan on there, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny... Whatever the hell you want He's to got, call like, him. four names in four different promotions. So, yeah. <laughs> Matt Riddle versus Tom Lawler, Battle of Former UFC Stars. Interesting. MVPs on the show, Joey Ryan, Laurel Van Ness, Santana Garrett, uh, Jason Cade, and Sammy Guevara. That'll be good. Former, another former UFC fighter, Seth Petrozelli, who knocked okay. out Kimbo Slice on the show. Yeah, a lot of good people on that that uh, show, and I spoke to Rich about it. Take a look. I know since then you've done a lot of work with MLW, uh, def, uh, calling these these shows as well with Tony Schiavone. What's that been like? Tony was Tony's one of the reasons why I became an announcer in the first place. When I was eight, nine years old, ten years old, watching TBS. And it was him and David Crockett. Um, I don't know. There, there was something about his delivery, and it, it was it was the first time I think I realized that, like that that was an that was actually a job. You could be a wrestling announcer. I don't think it ever really clicked. It was always oh, there's an announcer on TV. You don't really put those things together when you're that young. That was the first time it kind of crystallized. So, so he along with Fred Cusick, who was the, the longtime Boston Bruins voice. Those are the two guys that really inspired me to, to become an announcer. But Tony, in, in particular, like I said, he was the voice of wrestling for me, 85, 86, 87. That, that great era, the Crockett era, which I still consider to be probably the, the best era um, in, in, in professional wrestling, just the golden years. On his podcast, uh, Tony, he didn't seem like too keen on the idea of coming back. He seemed like he was very satisfied with maybe never calling wrestling again, but – I've noticed a major shift in that since that first show that you all did together and like a sense of excitement and optimism in his voice. Was that like a hurdle that you had to overcome to a degree with Tony? Because it seemed like he was very reserved about it initially. I I wouldn't say it was a hurdle at all. He was great to work with, totally easy to work with, a lot of fun to work with, and just a a natural at it. I don't know that going into it, we thought that we'd have him for another show. We figured it, w- it would just be one and out. But he he had a lot of fun. I, it's, I remember after we after we finished off, he was he, he he was in a great mood and said how much he enjoyed it. And I, even I, I think I even might have said to him, oh, you, "So you're gonna come back for the next show?" And he's he's like, "Yeah, I, I think so. I'm gonna talk to Cora. I think so." So it seemed like he had a lot of fun. So you all have this MLW uh, Never Say Never show coming up next week, and there's just so many people on the on the show. There's there's John Hennigan, there's Fightful, former Fightful.com podcaster Matt Riddle. You got Joey Ryan, uh, Santana Garrett, Laurel Van Ness. Like they're just they're like name after name after name. What's it like? I mean, you you've been to WWE, you've seen what people what they look for in talent. And you see all these people, and like you could pick any like half dozen guys that could probably be there next year or in a few months be signed to this. So what's that like being being on a show that is independent, a little under the radar? But like I said, you look at the talent here, and it's unreal. Yeah, there's there's such an explosion of talent, and so many talented performers, and and just guys who are breaking the mold in a lot of ways. It's it really is. This is a, a, it's a crucial time for wrestling, and I think, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, we're, we're going to look back, I think, at this whole era right now as a very, very important time in wrestling, a, another renaissance 
in many ways of, of professional wrestling. And it's because you're kind of seeing this resurgence of, of smaller promotions and more localized promotions, even in some ways. But on top of that, promotions that, that are just doing it different and listening to what the fans really want and delivering it to them. It's, it's not rocket It's really not rocket science. It's wrestling. And MLW wants to be at the forefront of that. And you look at the talent that was on the first show. You look at the talent for, for this coming show. Jimmy Havoc's on the show. Um, you know, you mentioned Hennigan, MVP. So, get, you know, some guys who have been around. But younger guys, too. Like I don't know if you've seen Sammy Guevara yet. But Sammy's oh, an incredible yeah. talent. He, he's an incredible talent. Uh, I've called the number of his shows uh, or number of his matches over over at Wrestle Circus, and he's just the last year's really, really, really taken off. So I'm excited for him to get this opportunity on you know a, a, another big stage with MLW to show people what what he can do. He's gonna he's gonna be going up against Jason Cade, another you know an, another exciting younger guy who's who's really trying to break the mold here in in the business. So there's so much good talent that's out there. And so many guys who who are, who are just exciting to watch that maybe they don't fit into the WWE mold right now. Maybe they do, but it's just cool that for me, it's cool that they have this other alternative aside from you know not again not knocking any any of the you know not knocking Impact or, or whatever. But you know not everybody can go there. Not everybody can go to Ring of Honor. Not everybody can go to you know, some of the Lucha promotions. I think there's a space here for something like MLW to grow. But on top of that, I, I think that helps again, some of those, some of the more localized promotions, like you have Defy out in, out in Seattle and AIW and some of these other promotions that, that are big within their cities as well. I, I think MLW can maybe take the, the cream of the crop from those promotions and put them on an even bigger stage. And I, I just think it helps everybody. All right. You guys are back. Rich Brennan, now known as Rich Pacini. I had somebody ask me uh, what half dozen people I thought could get signed by WWE off the show that I mentioned. Uh, Hennigan could end up back there. And then Riddle, Santana Garrett, Laurel Van Ness, uh, Sammy Guevara, and Mike Perro. I could all see them all getting signed by WWE. Recently engaged Mike Perro. Uh, congratulations to him. But yeah, this is going to be a show, MLW Never Say Never. Uh, definitely check it out tomorrow night, guys. Uh, looks really good. And Laurel Van Ness, once out of impact. I think she already is, isn't she? No, she's got the championship. Uh, they won't let her go until she drops it, and then I think they're going to let oh, her I go. Thought, she asked yeah. for a release, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I thought asked so. for her release the night that she won the championship. Yeah. And they still gave it to her, and yeah. I, I imagine they'll write her to lose it in the impact zone next month. Which the thing is, they don't have to do that. They could... Book her – well, if she has an open date any time over the next couple of weeks, just go film her losing it somewhere because they've done that with their show. They've shown indie programming mm -hmm. on their show, which I think is actually a fair idea. Why not? If you can get it and it's it's lower cost, do it because whatever you were doing before yeah. wasn't working. Well, I imagine I, that they don't get a lot of it because they want 10% of the booking. That's part of their, their new yeah. contracts. And it, I want to – that makes me want to bring up Matt Seidel. Yeah, uh, because uh, and we're going to get to impact and some of the questionable decisions that impact has made this one. I guess I give him kudos for it. But so um, we've heard a lot of stories about indie promoters and how shady indie promoters can be. 
And this is a story about a, pr- a performer who seems to have pulled a shady move. Uh, Matt Seidel, everybody remembers him as Evan Board in WWE. He's in Impact now. And uh, last weekend, he was scheduled to do a show for British Championship Wrestling in Scotland. BCW says that they paid him 1200 bucks up front as a deposit towards his guarantee. He missed the show. Now, I, I should note, we've only heard the promoter's side, because Seidel has not commented. Uh, but given what Impact did, I tend to believe them in this situation. So uh, he missed the show. BCW says that uh, he told them he missed his flight due to traffic, uh, which is already inexcusable. Uh, then he told uh, BCW, uh, book me on a new flight, which they didn't want to do. Completely understandable, especially from the U.S. to Scotland. That would have killed whatever, you know, yeah. they were going to make off of him. Uh, then he refused to give the money back, saying that he spent it, according to oh. BCW. According to BCW. Uh, and he said, I'll tell you what, book me on a future show, and you can put my guarantee or my deposit towards my booking on a future show. And BCW said, no thanks, don't want to do business with you again. We want our money back. Impact Wrestling stepped up because, again, the, the Impact Wrestling contract calls for them to get 10% of the, of the booking when they book guys out. And yeah. so Impact Wrestling paid back BCW that deposit. Uh, and that's what happened. And I, I want to mention it again because a lot of promoters get a bad rap, and rightfully so oftentimes. But uh, this is a situation which I thought Matt Seidel, you know, I, I'm not impressed by, by how he handled it. Me either. So, and I'll tell you a quick Jim Neidhart story. Similar Jim Neidhart story. So I brought him in one time. At, well, I brought him in a lot of times, but there was one time where he wanted a deposit. Normally he didn't. One show he wanted a deposit, so I gave him a couple hundred bucks up front. He comes to the show. He does his match. I give him his envelope. He comes up to me, and he was almost trying to be intimidating. You know, Jim Neidhart gets, yeah. kind of, gets kind of in my face. He goes, Jimmy, you're 200 short. And I look at him, and I go, Jim, I gave you a deposit. And it's almost like light bulb went off in, on his head. And he's like, if you could try to picture Jim Neidhart. Jim Neidhart's like, yeah. oh, my God, Jimmy, I'm so sorry. Like that. <laughs> And that's what that's that's what he said. But uh, but yeah, this Seidel thing. I wanted to mention it because missing a flight to Scotland due to traffic is pretty weak. Spending the deposit is pretty weak. So, oh yeah, uh, it it is. And it would not shock me to see impacts pivot. I can't see them after the turn of the year giving any more like contracts, long term contracts out. They'll probably have to switch to a situation where they their contracts are. You get paid this much per TV taping, and as long as you're contracted, you can't go to, like, WWE or something. Well, let's talk about old Impact Wrestling. They've been, oh, uh, kind, of, they've been kind of the whipping boys of this podcast, and rightfully so. Uh, a couple stories about them that came out. One of them, I would say it's mind-boggling, which is a term I use a lot for Impact Wrestling, but I'm so used to, I guess, ridiculousness of Impact Wrestling that it doesn't surprise me. So uh, it was announced that uh, they are going to be changing their talent contracts in order to give the talent the right to their character. Emerged minutes after our show last week, actually. Oh, well, there you go. And uh, and the catalyst for this is the broken Matt Hardy gimmick. Uh, Impact decided to walk away. Did we not talk about this a few months ago? And I told you, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm using the character and I'm telling Impact, sue me, because I know they don't have the funds. And that's what I said I would do, right? The person that I spoke to right after about it, I said, what changed? And they said that Matt Hardy and Vincent Kennedy McMahon told Impact to fuck off. That's what I said, Nigel. That is the direct (laughs) quote I was given. And that's what I said. I said, if I'm Vincent McMahon, I'm telling them to go fuck themselves because they don't have the funds. 
Now I don't know. This is this is this part is my speculation. But if I'm Matt Hardy, like I'm I'm upset that my brother's hurt. But hey, if th- if that's what it took to get this, right, right, all right, all right, Jeff, you're gonna make plenty of money probably off of this as well. So oh yeah, he just, will. Just take a bit off. I, I've said this before. Not only does it get his brother paid, but it gets his wife paid, yeah. gets his father-in-law paid, gets his son paid. Okay, like, if, I, if I'm WWE, I'm telling Rebby to stay home. Oh, if I'm oh WWE, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't matter. She is it a pain in home. the ass, and I'd be telling her to stay home. Well, it doesn't matter. She's going to get paid. Like, you don't think she's going to have a presence WrestleMania weekend somewhere? So long as it's not, some- yeah, as long as it's not on WWE programming. Damn, but she's sure, a pain be- in the ass. She'll be somewhere with her kid while he pins Disco Inferno or something. <laughs> Maybe. Again. I want to read the uh, the quote from uh, Ed Nornholm. So he, and of course, we've talked about this before. He gave this quote to Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated because that's who they like to deal with. So uh, this, this, this statement came on November 29th, and this is the quote. We've seen the character development, re- referring to Broken Matt Hardy. We'll be interested to see where they take the concept. Our new talent agreements all incorporate language that allow talent to continue to use their impact persona after they leave the company. We're working with our legal team to amend our existing agreements to extend this to all of our current and former talent. Are you out of your fucking mind? That you, that, <laughs> I love that, it. that you would do that, not just to existing contracts, but future. Are you freaking crazy? That you would do that. The only thing I can possibly think of, Sean, aside from the fact that they have no business sense at all and they have no common sense at all, is they're doing it because it's a way to keep guys under contract. That's yeah. the only thing I can think of. They're doing it as a way to keep guys with the company uh, and maybe at a discount. Maybe they're looking like, you know what, maybe a guy like EC3, maybe we can grab him for another year. Maybe we can get Moose for another year. Maybe they'll take a discount because we'll let them keep the persona. I'd be, I'd be shocked, shocked if they can keep EC3. And as I, I look up and down this roster, Jimmy, and I, I've mentioned this many times, 30 people, at least 30 people have left this company this year. Mm-hmm. That's insane. There has never been a roster turnover like that, mm-hmm. ever, that I can remember in any company, period. Well, can Not you believe every... that they're going to let these guys continue to use the impact? Pers- so, That's nonsense that they would so allow So let's that. talk about that. How many, really, people on that roster will that even matter for? Well, maybe not right now, but you never you know. See, EC3 is the maybe EC3 Rosemary maybe Eli Drake maybe. So do you uh, think? So are you saying that Impact then doesn't see value in the personas, which is why they don't care? These days, yeah, because things could change. You never know. Right? Van Ness leaves. More people know her as Chelsea Green. More people watch Tough Enough in 2015 than watch Impact right That's now. Like fair. That's probably four fair. or five times as many people yeah, watched. Maybe. Tough enough back then. So you're like, so you're saying that they're acknowledging their own failures by saying, ah, oh, the, the personas of, don't mean shit. I think it's their way. Okay, I'll put it like this, Jimmy. A few years ago, I worked for a website called Cage Passion Media. It was a very regional. It was basically used as a promotional tool for a regional MMA promotion. Yeah. And they let me take control of that as I was establishing myself to uh, to really like give me a platform to do whatever I wanted. We rebranded it Cage Passion Sports. And I could cover anything that I wanted. And what they did to me, they were like, okay, we will give you a third of this. And I'm like, the website doesn't draw a dime right now. I mm-hmm. see what you're doing. It's a nice gesture. but you're." And they, the guy even jokingly said, uh, what I am offering you is one-third of nothing. And that's kind of what Impact is doing. Do you think that like – hell, I don't even know a lot of people that are getting new names like – Falaba, he is that when he wrestles in 
on for Monster Factory. Congo Kong, same thing. Like Petey Williams has always been Petey Williams. Like there aren't a lot of people. Like can Caleb Conley keep playing Suicide? I don't know. So let me let me say this, and this this is a poor example, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, so as you know, James Lynch went to Detroit for us, right? And he got a bunch of interviews for Fightful.com. And James didn't do this on purpose. He initially uploaded the YouTube videos to his own YouTube account instead of the Fightful yes. account. I immediately texted James and I said, moving forward, you're moving them all to Fightful, to the Fightful YouTube account because I'm paying you to be there. So they're all going onto the Fightful account and not yeah. your account. And James, to his credit, said, apologize, didn't mean it, and he, and he moved them all over. To me, that's kind of sort of the same thing. Impact is still spending money on production. They're spending money on television. I don't care if they're getting 250,000 viewers or 250 million viewers. They're yeah. funding that, this production and they're giving these guys the ability to get themselves over. I would never, if I'm the, the head of an entertainment entity, and again, I don't care if I'm doing 250,000 viewers. Or the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 50 million viewers. If I'm the head of that entertainment entity, I'm spending on production, I'm giving you a payoff, I'm putting you in a hotel and paying for your flight, that's my character. Oh, if yeah. I, well, I, I mean, like, if, I, if I leave Fightful, I can't go run the Fightful podcast somewhere else. Well, no, but this is different because you're, you're doing this as, as yourself, Sean Ross Sapp. That's right? true. But I but, mean, the, the, the marquee is Fightful podcast. That is yeah, but in, in, yeah, but in the terms of impact, that doesn't really matter. Because uh, Abyss is another guy who you know could benefit from this too. Absolutely, because that, that Abyss character. So there's like maybe four, maybe four people: Abyss, Eli Drake, EC3, Rosemary. Everybody else pretty much owns their own stuff anyway. Like the only thing I can think of is that because we obviously we don't know about any kind of contract negotiations that impact us out with any of their talent, right? We're not familiar with that. The only thing I can think of is they were having trouble either signing new talent or resigning existing talent because of the the negative stigma going on with Impact right now. And so the only thing I can think of is that they put this in because it was something they had to do in order to either get new talent or re-sign existing talent. Otherwise, it makes zero business sense to do this. And again, if I owned a wrestling company that, that had national television and international television, no chance would I ever put that in a contract. Now, what I'm curious about is does this retroactively affect people? Does it affect people who are under contract now? Yeah. Or does it only affect people who sign on after this? No, it's... It, and I'm, their, their statement said uh, to amend our existing agreements to extend this to all of our current and former talent. Yeah, former but, talent, but Sean. As, as you've mentioned, sometimes contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. Impact statements aren't worth the paper they're written on. So. I suppose. Like you can never tell from, from day to day. I mean, at the, end, at the end of the day, unless a talent goes to WWE who has the funding to fight Impact if they want, 
I don't think a talent's going to fight. Let's say EC3 decides, you know what, I'm going to Ring of Honor, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be on television as EC3 and Ring of Honor. Impact and Ring of Honor in terms of funding, although they do have Sinclair, so they might, oh, they might yeah, be the in a funding isn't anywhere near the same. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's not a good example. But what I'm saying is if you went to promotion that didn't have a lot of financial backing, maybe Impact would decide to yeah. flex their muscles. But by, by the way, I talked to BJ Whitmer. We'll hear from him on next week's show. He's taking more of a backstage role in Ring of Honor, and that's one of the things we talked about was the funding <laughs> of Ring of Honor and how you know some people will try to compare the size of Ring of Honor and Impact. I don't think they're anywhere near the same. No. Sinclair picked up this as – a syndication company, and they realized, hey, this is money that we don't have to pay Seinfeld or Two and a Half Men or mm -hmm. anybody else for syndication rights. This is ours. Not only that, Jimmy, they're getting rights fees from other places like Destination America a couple of years ago and like Comet and stuff like that. Like I made a joke to uh, to BJ that Ring of Honor is on like seven channels right now because Isn't they're trying their – they're on they're on a bunch and they're online, but they're trying their best to get as much coverage as possible. But um, didn't Sinclair just buy a bunch of new stations? I thought they I saw press trying, They're trying to buy Tribune Media, which is WGN, which is a Chicago superstation. Right, it was right. like it was like Chicago's answer to TBS mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, and that would be big because mm -hmm. there is that's on DirecTV everywhere. And WWE used to do a show just for WGN. WWF Blast Off. That's actually. a big market. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. And uh, they're not on in Chicago, so that's that's big. They're not on. There are a lot of major markets that they aren't in. That the Tribune deal, if the FCC allows it to go through, will right. will affect. And man, me and BJ talked about that for quite a while. It's really good stuff. And uh, you all will hear more about that next week on Listen, Your Boy, ahead of Ring of Honor Final Battle, which I am doing a post show podcast for. Very excited. There you go. Let's go to stupid people. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay. Man, I've got so much stuff this week, Sean. I don't know if we're going to be able to shit. get to it. No, I mean just in general, like like news, wrestling news. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get to everything. Uh, so once again, I have to do this for not just the video people, but also for our audio <laughs> listeners. Nigel, who's our credit for the stupid song? Trevor Strong. How have you got him to come perform it yet? He's from the area. Uh, he's, yeah. from, he's from Kingston, Ontario, which is close to my hometown. I could probably get him to do something. I don't even know if he's aware that we uh, have lifted the song, but I, I could probably, I could, yeah, because I've seen people post on, post on his YouTube that they found it through Fightful, so yeah, he probably knows. But yeah, maybe I'll hit him up. So, uh, what do I say every week when I do this, Sean? I say every week finding stories for this segment. It's too easy, Sean. I figured you were going to start <laughs> off with. In 2002, a 16-year-old from Kentucky watched the first 15 minutes of Harry Potter, thinking it was in some weird nerd wizard language. <laughs> yeah. He would later go on to recount the story on an episode of the Listen Your Boy podcast. That was pretty stupid. My reaction. Yeah, it was pretty stupid. The best part was when you said, how am I supposed to know it's French? I don't live in Canada, because that's the only place where they speak French, Nigel. Of course. I so. ne I've never met a French-speaking person in Kentucky now, much less 15 years ago. I bet there's at least one. I'm sure there's and one, but they don't live here. So let's get to these, man. So this first one, this was reported by WNYT, NBC 13 out of Albany, New York on December 1st. Oh, and you get, know they're getting WWE interviews. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Uh, this, it's again, people just are, people are sweethearts, man. 
<laughs> so uh, 51-year-old John, it's either Gomez or Gomes, from Cohoes, New York, started a fire in a steel drum in his backyard because he wanted to bend metal to mold it into a sword. <laughs> the problem was... He failed to realize that winds at the time were gusting up to 30 miles an hour. Oh, the fire ended up spreading out over three city blocks. It caused damage to 20 buildings. Oh, three, no. three buildings along the city's main downtown business district were destroyed. <laughs> Isn't it unbelievable? Because <laughs> he wanted to make, he a, wanted sword. To make a sword. <laughs> and the co-host mayor, a guy by the name of Sean Morse, calls it the biggest tragedy he's seen in the city's history. <laughs> I just want to say, that town is completely, like, just... That, that's got to be, like, Pleasantville, USA. If that's the worst thing that's ever happened to your city, first off. But think about Damn. it. Three city yeah, blocks, man. Three city point. blocks, Sean. Yeah, three city blocks, sure. Like, at some <laughs> point, he's like, you know what? My senses... They're just going to take a fucking vacation. Yeah, yeah. I'll just com take complete leave of my senses for a little while. So he has been charged with fourth-degree arson, which is a felony, and first-degree oh, no. and first degree reckless endangerment, which is also a felony. Uh, and he's currently in jail on $15,000 bail. God, Damn, that's so. unfortunate because you can tell he's dumb as shit. Yeah, he wanted to make a sword. Stupid. Just, Isn't it amazing? The best thing that could have happened. Yeah. Is that he got a sword out of it? Yeah, like that's the best case. Scenario. That was the positive outcome out of the situation. <laughs> yeah, it was that he got a sword. And do you really want this fucker yeah. swinging a sword around? Exactly. In, uh, where is it in Cohoes, New York? How long do you think so. he gets? Because I mean, you, you like, I, there was no malicious intent there. I mean, no, just stupidity. Yeah, his perhaps his his ignorance is malicious, but yeah. like no no intent. No. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was gonna go stab everybody on those three city blocks with that goddamn sword. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if, a felony. So if he's found guilty, he'll do time. But uh, who knows how much? This next Fucking one, Highlander out there. <laughs> <laughs> this next one was reported by Fox Six Now out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on December first. Two men, aged twenty and twenty-one, drove into the Glendale. This is Glendale, Wisconsin. Uh, drove into the Glendale Police Department parking lot, ignoring big signs that said "Do not enter," <laughs> and parked in the police chief's spot, and then started doing weed and heroin. Oh boy! Uh, it was record time for people <laughs> to spot them. Record time, and uh, they were both taken into custody, and they have since been referred over to the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. Wow. What if we get Alex? People are just pe them. people. Are, it's I just it's every week, man. Just people. They're just, in Milwaukee, yeah, yeah. They're in Milwaukee. We can get Alex to get an interview with them or something. Now this last one, Sean. If I was going to have a file called the Sean Ross Sap file, <laughs> oh yeah, full of stories that I got just for you, this would be in there. Oh, this is going right? to be about a wiener or turds or something. Oh, he's 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 on. See, he's on. So this maybe, was maybe reported. A, maybe a wiener shaped turd. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe if you zoom in on the surveillance video, Sean. Hot damn. So this was reported by KCRA NBC3 out of Sacramento, California on November 30th. A female driver contracted by Amazon.com. Apparently in some towns, Amazon actually contracts delivery services uh, to, do, to do deliveries. In Toronto, because it's a big market, they have drop-off zones in Toronto. 
where you can go yeah. pick stuff up. But in some towns, they hire out delivery services because they have so much stuff going out. So a female driver contracted by Amazon.com was out making deliveries using a U-Haul van in a Sacramento County neighborhood when she decided to pull over on a quiet street, walk around to the passenger side of the van, open the passenger side door, stand inside the passenger side door, squat, and take a shit. She then pulled up her pants, closed that door, ran back around to the driver's side, got in, and took off. That's what she did. The person <laughs> living at the house that she parked in front of, his name is Nemi Bautista, got the whole thing on surveillance, called Amazon. This, oh. part, is, this part is actually probably better than, than what she did. So he called Amazon. A supervisor from the delivery company showed up in his personal vehicle, completely unequipped to deal with the situation, saw the shit laying on the, on the street, uh, decided to just take a plastic bag, kind of like when you're scooping up your dog's poop, took a plastic bag inside out, picked it up, tied it up, put it in the garbage. And uh, Amazon gave Bautista a gift card for his trouble, and they released a statement to KCRA, and this is the statement. Quote, this does not reflect the high standards we have for delivery service <laughs> providers. <laughs> we just get to know. So but our factory workers, yeah. they eat shit all the time. Yeah, I'm glad to know that it doesn't reflect their high standards. This individual is no longer delivering Amazon packages and we're in direct communication with the customer. Unquote. Okay, first off. There you go. Swipe her ass. Um, so I saw the footage and now she was behind the door, but no, I don't believe so. No. So she. Let me get this straight. She parked. She opened the door and then she like used it to kind of shield herself. That's right. Okay, I've done that pissing before, but would you take a shit in front of a house on the street, Sean? Not outdoors at all. I gotta say, this is midday, uh, Sean. That's duty. That's what she did, man. That's what she did. So I thought of that, and I mean, thought of you. I want to switch gears and go back to Impact and talk about this press release because uh, I know one of these individuals a little bit, so I found this interesting. So, uh, Impact announced via press release on December 5 that they have hired Scott Demore and Don Callis as executive vice presidents, and they're going to join Ed Nornholm as part of a three-member executive committee with the overall responsibility of developing the creative direction of the company as well as managing the execution of the company's business plan. Uh, and PW uh, Insider reports that John uh, Gabarik is out. He was doing creative and talent relations. And Dutch Mantel is out as well. He was doing creative. Um, I heard this story. Now, first off, this didn't surprise me uh, as, in terms of Don Callis being part of it because him and Demore have been tight for a lot of years. And as a matter of fact, back in, I think it was 99 or so, uh, I was at a Border City Wrestling show. That's Demore's promotion at a Windsor. Uh, I was there with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And Damore actually introduced me to Don Callis backstage. So they've been tight for probably 20 years. So that doesn't surprise me. People might remember Don Callis as the Jackal in WWE. He was Kurgan's manager and all that. Cyrus um, in ECW. Cyrus in ECW. That's right. That's him. Now, um, I, I want to say this. So I see good and bad in this, in this, in this announcement. Uh, the good I see is that I personally think for 2017... Scott Demore and Don Callis are a better choice than Jeff Jarrett to, to run Impact. Um, they both seem like they got their finger in the pulse more than Jarrett did. Jarrett had been kind of out of wrestling for a couple of years at that point. But when he was brought back in, he was peddling fool's gold on the internet and all that. And uh, Demore was already with the company prior to this announcement. He was doing, was it Creative Sean, I think? 
So he's familiar. There's familiarity with him. I also think that John Gaborik, Gabrick, not sure he pronounced his last name, but he, I thought, was a bad fit for his position. Having him in, in talent relations and creative, I thought, was a bad fit. Dutch Mantel, uh, with all due respect to Dutch Mantel, he's 68 years old. And so I question whether his creative vision would kind of match the demand from the fan base. So uh, so that's the good that I see. Plus, Don Callis is going to remain with New Japan. He's a color commentator for New Japan. That could be positive for Impact, too, because maybe he could be a conduit and yeah. uh, and try to open the doors with New Japan. I realize with the Ring of Honor connection, it'll be a challenge, but it, it's you know it's it's a shot they have. Let I me tell you, want, I, I think they would want to work with ROH too if they could. Oh, for sure they would. For sure they would. Let me tell you the the where I see this potentially being bad, uh, and this is from my experience in business. Three man teams don't work, from from my experience, because you inevitably will have two guys kind of paired together, aligned against the third guy. And that's what happens. Now, they haven't really announced. I'm assuming that Ed Nornholm is going to remain kind of the one with the most stroke uh, because they haven't really talked about that. All they said is that it's going to be the a The one who knows member. jack shit. Yeah, I, I mean, he's the anthem lawyer, whatever. But um, all they've said is that it's a three-member executive committee. They haven't really said who's going to have the final say. If this is going to be legitimately a three-man team, this is not going to work. And I can call it now that this is not going to work. Because DeMore and Callis inevitably are, are probably going to align against Nordholm unless one of them, DeMore or Callis, look at this like, okay, i got to get in with the boss and I have to kind of whisper in his ear, which means that maybe one will align with uh, Nordholm. But uh, that is what I, you know, it, it won't surprise me if six months down the road we find out that this didn't work because three-man teams just typically don't work. So we'll see what happens. I like the idea of it. I I envision Impact being run like an independent promotion that has TV and like completely. It is an independent year. promotion. That's what it is. Yes, it is. But I expect it to be run like that as well. Uh, it's not run like that. Uh, and I think that Scott Demore knows how to do that very, very well. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he makes any changes. There are going to be a lot of people. But there already are, but a lot of people that we see only for one set of tapings, then we never see them on Impact again. That's right. Which and and because they only tape quarterly, that means I can still get a good three month run out of it, right? Yeah. It's almost going to be like a territory, because the territory used to bring a guy in for like a few months and then have him, you know, move along. It could be like that, where you're going to see fresh faces every three months, like a territory. Yeah, and especially if they're moving back and forth between Ontario and Orlando and right. and all that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, let's talk about Flow Slam. Yeah. Uh, now, once again, you know, sometimes I talk about what we discussed in the past on the podcast, and I don't want to sound like we think we're know-it-alls, and I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. But when Flow Slam first came along, uh, we were pretty clear in this podcast. I, I, I was pretty clear in saying, I don't see how they're going to make money. I don't understand how that's a good business model. I just didn't foresee it working. The reason I didn't see it working again is because I knew about Tommy Dreamer's struggles with iPay-Per-View. I was familiar with his struggles. I knew that pirating was a big problem in that business. Uh, Tommy Dreamer was actually trying to get paid sponsorship for a show instead of iPay-Per-View, and then he was going to stream the show for free if he could get paid sponsors to pick up the tab because iPay-Per-View wasn't working for him. So when I heard about this Flow Slam business model, knowing what I knew about uh, House of Hardcore, I didn't expect it was going to work. Uh, and now they have officially closed their doors. Uh, this is on the heels of the lawsuit, Flow Slam versus WWN, where it was revealed that WWN inflated their numbers in order to maximize their rights fees. And uh, Flow Sports, which is the parent of Flow Slam, alleging fraudulent business records. So Flow Slam is, is, is 
is uh, officially done. Uh, I don't think that's any surprise. I think everybody saw that even, coming. Even as a news entity, they're done because they tried to switch to that, which ironically they should have probably tried to do to begin with. Because as I mentioned, how wrestling, like wrestling websites like us, WWE kind of pushes back. WWE had invested in their parent company, so I'm sure it wouldn't have been that hard for them to gain some access. Now, at the risk, of, I'm not going to violate any NDAs that I might be under, but I was aware of what several of those people at Flow Slam were getting paid. Sure. And and, well, going back to the WWE thing, let me let me ask you this. Let's say that you owned a company. I don't know what they invested in Flow. Wasn't it like a million bucks or something? Yeah. So let's say that you are uh, the owner of a company. You invest a million dollars in this thing. This thing is is driving zero profits. Would you then want to? Would you, how willing would you be then to give them access to your talent for news when they have taken your million dollar investment and given you back nothing? Well, I mean, they should have been a news company to begin with. Oh, from, like from Flow the Combat. Flow Combat is like they break news regularly at Flow Combat. Not as much as they used to, but. They still got like Dwayne Finley and a bunch of – I mean James Lynch does some stuff for them too. Yeah, yeah. But they, they've got really good stuff. I've called events for Flow Combat even uh, like earlier this year. But that I thought that was the method they were going to follow where they are a news organization and they stream stuff and you can use one to support the other. Like generally the interviews James Lynch does for Flow Combat are with fighters who are going to fight on Flow Combat. So it kind of supports one or the other. Like I said, I, I don't want to violate any like anything that I verbally agreed to. I didn't sign anything, but I know what some of the people at Flow Slam were getting paid. And when I heard that in my mind, I thought that ain't gonna work. I mean, because again, I, when you when you, no disrespect to the guys that were running the, sh the show there. A lot of when, talented people there too. Yeah, but but as as an executive there, when you basically don't have the business acumen to do your due diligence. You cut a, a rights fees deal with WWN and you essentially believe the numbers they give you and give them a rights fees contract based on the inflated numbers they give you as opposed to doing your due diligence, you deserve what you get. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It, even the littlest thing in my company, Sean, like right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm filing suit against a client that owes us some money, right? Even in a, in a situation like that, I do my due diligence first. I make sure that my lawyer doesn't have a conflict of interest with the, with the company yes. because it could, it could turn into a breach. Something like that, you do your due diligence, let alone I'm going to give you a contract for $3 million over whatever it was, six years, based on these bullshit numbers you gave me. That's lunacy, Sean, that they would do that. You know, Our boy Rob McCarron was in talks with them. He flew out, and he had that job. They yeah. wanted him, and it was a – very, very good paying job. I'll say that much. And I knew that before he had interviewed for it. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, yeah. He did his due diligence. Yep, that's what you should be doing. And that's and they didn't, and now that's where they're at. So good for them. Kind of like uh, Impact with Ottawa. Yeah, no somebody, due says, diligence. somebody says, I'm sorry, but where is money coming from for Impact? It's coming from Anthem, and which yeah. is owned by the Fight Network. That's right. That's right. Who are firing a bunch of employees to yeah. make So uh, keeping on with some business-related news, this one's interesting. So WWE has announced uh, that they're going to be holding three special live events in January under the 205 Live brand. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah. this, is, this is an experiment because they want to gauge interest uh, as to whether the brand could be a viable touring entity. That's why they're doing this little experiment. 
Uh, they book three venues. One is going to be Friday, January 19 at the Ryan Center in Kingston, Rhode Island. Saturday, January 20 at the Lowell Auditorium in Lowell, Massachusetts. And Sunday, January 21 at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, I looked up all three venues. Now, Mid-Hudson Civic Center I was familiar with because WWE's booked it before, TNA's booked it before. But I looked up all three of these venues. The Ryan Center can hold 8,000 for basketball and about 6,300 for concerts. The Lowell Auditorium is about 2,800 seats, and the Mid-Hudson uh, Civic Center holds about 3,000 people. Um, my personal opinion now, I realize over the last two weeks on Raw, they've noticeably ramped things up with uh, the cruiserweights. Uh, they booked two four-way matches. They gave them plenty of time to showcase their skills in those matches. I think they're doing that intentionally because they're, they're trying to build the brand up for these live events. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard sell, my personal opinion. I think that the brand has been beaten down for too long. I think it's been treated like a sideshow act for too long. And I think that expecting that people are going to come out to see just those performers, with Enzo probably the main eventer, tough. I think it's going to be a very tough sell. Uh, but they're going to give it a shot because you don't know unless you try. They're going to give it a shot. I think very tough sell. Yeah, a lot of people will know the Mid-Hudson Civic Center as like the site of, I think, God, two dozen Raws, early Raws, like in 94, 95. Right. And uh, I know ECW ran there. TNA ran there, as you mentioned. Uh, GFW did, did amped there at one point, but – NXT didn't do great there, from what I understand. I, Jeff and I seem to think this is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing for Vince. Like, See? Didn't work. Yeah, right. That's You know what? That's actually – that could be the case. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. Like if I were to – if I were to tell my mom that, that the guy running the company wants to prove that something's not going to work, yep. she'd be like, that doesn't make sense. And I would say, you're goddamn right it doesn't. Yep. Yep. It, it really is true that, that so many things are done uh, just for shits and giggles in that company. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so like, – like Kurt Angle himself, I saw an interview with Kurt Angle a week or two ago talking about the Jason Jordan thing. And he said uh, when I heard about it, I thought it was a rib. You know, it's almost like they put him in that thing just to, just to pl- make fun of him, just to poke fun at him. It, yeah. it's, it's so unbelievable. Uh, let's move on and talk about good old Conan because this is yeah. going to be interesting. Hey, dog. Yeah, this is. I'm curious what's going to happen with this one. So the crash promotion in Mexico, which is where Conan was working as the booker, and you notice that I said was working as the booker, uh, they announced on their Facebook page on December 4th that Conan will no longer be working with the promotion. They claimed it had to do with him not being able to comply with the crash lucha libre code of ethics, uh, which is something that they said they do not tolerate. And this brings up a couple of questions. Question number one, what's going to happen with Conan and Impact? Because Impact is affiliated with Crash, and Conan was the conduit between Impact and Crash. Number two, Era Lucha, which is a brilliant idea, and it's going to make a ton of money. Uh, they're doing their first taping this Sunday, December 10th, in the Lucha Libre capital of the world, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Conan is the booker for Era Lucha, and the, the card on Sunday is primarily Crash Talent. So what's going to happen if they do another taping? Are they going to be done with Crash Talent? Are they going to just be booked independently? I think there won't be another taping, so it's not going to matter. But uh, interesting turn of events there, man. Have you heard any more about what exactly Conan did? Apparently he was treating, mistreating people? No, but he can rub people the wrong way. I mean, he's, he's a very blunt dude. And if so this isn't a Matt him, Lauer thing then, right? It's nothing like that? I don't think he's whipping out his, his, uh, <laughs> his tequila sunrise and <laughs> mushroom stamping anybody. But 
He just had to but go. You never, he, yeah. he just kept going with that one, didn't he? Had to. Yeah. He had to keep going with it. Uh, moving on. Me free reign. I mean, I'm allowed to say what I want. So. And, well, this is true. I do. I do give you free reign. Uh, one more thing I want to. You touch gonna let me on. throw to this goddamn video or not? No, we're, because I have a lot of stuff to cover. So we're <laughs> okay. gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk one more. Then you can do the, the your, your little segue, <laughs> and then I got a couple little things to finish off. But this next is this is another kind of interesting big one I want to talk about. Now, you know who John Cena is? Yeah. Okay, because he's a pretty big name now, right? So TMZ reported this one's interesting, Sean. I want your take on this one. TMZ reported that John Cena had cut a deal with Ford to get a 2017 Ford GT at a special reduced price for being a company ambassador. And apparently Ford would receive thousands of applications from people looking for the opportunity to buy the car. And they select a few individuals, and Cena was one of the guys they picked. The contract that they signed with John Cena uh, made him agree not to sell the car for at least two years after he bought it. What did he do? He bought it and he immediately flipped it for a profit. Uh, so Ford is now suing him, claiming that they suffered damages and losses, including loss of brand value, ambassador activity, and customer goodwill due to the improper sale. Uh, they want Cena's proceeds from the sale of the car, plus they want other damages. Here's where this makes me kind of question things a bit. John Cena claims that he sold the car to help pay the bills. No, TMZ claims that. I don't think that John Cena claimed it. I thought they said that was in the that was in the the filing. Well, I don't believe regardless of who it came from, I don't believe it. I find it, because here's the thing. So I, I looked up Cena's numbers a little bit, right? And according to Forbes, in 2016, Cena made an estimated $8 million just in pro wrestling, right? Just with WWE. Oh, yeah. Then he made The Wall, the motion picture The Wall. I'm sure it wasn't a massive payday, but it probably did all right. Yeah. Then, then in 2017 so far, he's done Daddy's, two, Daddy's Home 2 and Ferdinand. Got two uh, coming out next year. Two. Sorry, he's got blockers and Bumblebee the movie. Coming there you go. Out two more year. coming out next year. Plus, he had that uh, commercial for Glad pistachios and Glad trash bags. He's got Glad trash bags. He's got um, damn, I can't remember what like PSA he did, but where he talked about what it was to be an American. Uh, oh, got, uh, American the, the grit. body spray and American grit the TV show. American grit the TV show. Yeah, that too. Uh, He's getting two reality show checks right now from Total Bellas and Total Divas. Now I'm not sure if that eight million includes that because Forbes. That's didn't. from E. That comes from E. Yeah, but you not don't think they might have bundled it? Maybe wrestling. Uh, may, maybe they figured out a way. But uh, I find it hard now. I don't know anything about John Cena's lifestyle. I could I could uh, speculate about Nikki Bella, but I'm not going to do it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I would like to think that eight million dollars in one year just from pro wrestling, you're probably pretty good. Yeah, right? I don't believe it at all, man. Yeah, don't believe it, it. it seems questionable. But I wanted to bring that one up because uh, for them to – they claimed that Cena claimed that he sold the car to pay the bills. So I don't know. I heard that one and I thought that's a little suspect, man. Yeah, I, I would agree because yeah. he's got he's got so many different forms of – not only that. I mean he's getting royalties and stuff, royalties from the movies that he's done too. That's right. For the love of God. Yep, yep. So uh, it's just – I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, what I did buy was UFC 218. <laughs> Thankfully, Jimmy Van is reimbursing me for that one. I was going to say what I bought yeah, was UFC Jay, 218. Uh, and we always tout our crossover success. I don't think there's a better crossover website in the world than us. I mean, it's what we specialize in. 
And James Lynch was all too eager to ask some of USC 218 stars about their connections to pro wrestling, including Michelle Watterson, who has had some crossover appeal uh, with ESPN, stuff like that. Henry Cejudo, who was in negotiations with WWE, and Sergio Pettis, who trains with CM Punk. Take a look. Uh, is uh, is pro wrestling ever something you'd want to go into? Seeing all the you know Ronda Rousey's going over there now, and you've done some cross promotion, obviously doing the reality show. Is that something that interests you at all? I think it would be fun. I think if if I ever did get into pro wrestling, I'd be able to utilize some of my more artistic martial arts that I, you know, started um, in the beginning with. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, well, why not? If the door is open, why not? Right. Excellent. Uh, did you ever watch pro wrestling when you were growing up? Not really. No? Not really. Okay. <laughs> so something you're sort of taking notice of now? Yeah. yeah okay, I know enough. before you signed with the UFC, there was a lot of interest from the WWE about uh, potentially signing you. Um, was, was there any ever, ever any talks or was that just smoke? No, there was. Yeah. There was. And uh, I, had a, had a, I had talked to one of the talent, one of the agents from there. They're going to fly me out to, uh, to Orlando to do a trial and whatnot because he had liked me. He's like, hey, this kid's charisma. He's athletic. I said, because I told him, dude, I can do anything that Rey Mysterio could do. Yeah. Just give me the proper coaching. You'll be seeing me doing triple backflips. And I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty fearless human being. And, uh, you know, it was between kind of doing that or, 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 or fighting. But fighting was always on my mind. But it yeah. was just, it was a thing that I was like, ah, maybe, man, depending on the pay. Yeah. But uh, you know, I just decided that I just decided at the end, man. Let's let, let's. I'd rather fight. I'm, I'm more of a fighter than an actor. Uh, were you a pro wrestling fan growing up? Yeah, I was. Okay. I was. Who, who are some of your favorites? I mean, you mentioned Rey Mysterio. Was he someone that you were watching? Yeah, Rey Mysterio, uh, Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, nice. That, uh, brownie points for me because I'm from Canada, right? Yeah, he's a great. Yeah, yeah. The whole Owen family, the British Bulldog, yeah. which wasn't British, right? It was Canadian. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, do you, do you still watch wrestling at all? Do you still no, keep up? No, no, I don't, man. Now, I, now, I, I don't know. It seems like I, I don't know if it's because I've gotten older, but it's not, it's not the, it's not the same. Uh, it's just not the same, man. Yeah, no, I agree. Attitude Era was my thing, you know. Personally, I, I loved watching it uh, back then. Um, so, do you, do we, do you think we'll ever see you in the wrestling ring uh, in the in the future? Not not in the near future. You got a title shot to worry about, but. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think so. Maybe someday if they ask me to do an appearance, maybe. But uh, no, nah, man, that, that lifestyle is hard, man. They travel with grip. I want to have kids, man. I want to be around my family in the, in the near future, so I'm not. I doubt it now. Best of luck in the fight on Saturday. Yeah, thank you. I know he's a bit bigger, but do you train at all with CM Punk at all? I know he's in the gym here and there. Yeah, mostly I don't train with CM Punk. You know, yeah. he's a lot bigger than me. I stay with the little guys, and I don't need to hurt myself working with bigger guys, so, you know. But he is, uh, he is training. He's been there. He's been putting in that work. Um, I don't know if he has something in the works yet, but um, he's been training. Uh, what's his presence like in the room? Because I know he's a you know personable guy. He's very dedicated to the team. Uh, it seems like a lot of guys are happy with him ha uh, being there. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. I mean, uh, coming from such a uh, you know uh, different sport, yeah. making some great money to you know coming to the UFC and getting punched in the face and getting submitted, and you know definitely a humbling experience for him. But I think he's embracing it, and uh, it's cool to have him around, man. He's got a good presence, good uh, good attitude. Yeah, and uh, were you ever a pro wrestling fan growing up? No, honestly, I wasn't. Oh, so did you know about him? Like, when he came over, did you know who he was or not? No, honestly, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I just, you know, uh, I heard he was a wrestler. You know, I looked him up a little bit after I heard about him. Oh, okay, that's who he is. But, okay. yeah, I didn't know who much about so you him. Can, I mean, I guess, you know, some people, when they see him, maybe they're a bit starstruck. But I guess for you, it's just like a regular guy. So it's just like, oh, I guess he used to fight in the WWE. So it's not like a big deal. Right? Yeah, it's not like a big deal to me. You know, yeah. I just see him as a normal person. Everybody, you know, everyone's a normal person. We all just got different jobs. So right. I don't feel, you know, we're any different from anybody else. All right, you guys are back. That's what we do that nobody else does. Nobody else thinks to ask this stuff. And you know something? When I wanted to come up with a site, this is what I wanted. I wanted yeah. to go to UFC shows, ask about pro wrestling, go to wrestling shows, ask about MMA and boxing too. 
And uh, James, to his credit, so James is not a huge wrestling fan. He was back in the in the Attitude Era days. He isn't today, but he he he's so smooth that you and I basically gave him guidance. You know, here's what to ask mm-hmm. this guy about. Here's what to ask this guy about. Uh, and we should also note that he uh, ran into CM Punk, uh, yeah. and, he, and he tried to get an interview with Punk, and uh, Punk's people shut it down. Not only from James, but from everybody. Wouldn't UFC let, did. Not UFC, Punk okay, did. UFC did. Yeah, they wouldn't let him do any interviews. And a funny story people might not have heard about, Punk at one point was standing on a chair because a guy from his team was doing <laughs> interviews, and Punk stood on a chair to try to get footage of it on his phone, and the chair broke, and he basically took a bump. And uh, Everybody said it was very, very funny and lighthearted, and he laughed about it too. Right, yeah. So uh, so James did an awesome job, and I want to do more of that on Fightful. That's kind of, that yeah. was my vision. So, Hey, Daniel Cormier is fighting in Boston next month. It's official, really? Yeah. With the guy with Vulcan or whatever his name is? Vulcan Ozdemir, yeah. And Daniel Cormier's face lit up when Brandon Howard asked him about WWE gate information. Yes. They were like Absolutely, yep. Daniel Cormier was in the middle of one of his trademark miserable weight cuts. And when Brandon Howard said, Oh, did you catch WrestleMania? And they are riffing about what kind of gate WrestleMania did? And his yeah. face lights up like the only time I saw him happy. During oh, he loved it. Time. And they talked about like The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. And yeah, he loved yeah. it. He loved it. it was so really I want to talk about The Rock for a minute. So The Rock is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on December 13th. Uh, I think that it's well-deserved. I think he deserves the recognition. I think he's been a hard worker uh, getting to where he's gotten. I mean, you see the, the, the routine he keeps in order to keep his bulk, especially at his age. I think yeah. he deserves it. If I wanted to turn this into a trig tent, you know, conspiracy theory thing, I could talk about how the the celebrity actually pays for the star on the Walk of Fame. In case you didn't know that, Sean, there's actually a forty thousand dollar fee Jeez. that the celebrity pays. Uh, wow. They pay they pay to get the star made, to get it installed, and to get it maintained. And did you know that, Nigel? No, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so so the celebrity actually pays for that star. Jeez. Um, so I wasn't almost, I didn't want to shit on the rock. So I almost wasn't going to mention it. And maybe he doesn't pay personally. Maybe the studio does or a studio does, but it, the star was paid for. But again, I think he deserves a recognition. Maybe representation or somebody is like a gift or something like that. Yeah, it could be, it could be, but I think he's worked hard and he deserves it. I also want to mention this Carrie Fisher thing. Is this legit or was it a Photoshop photo? What Carrie Fisher thing? So Carrie Fisher, who of course was princess Leia in star Wars and she passed away last year. She had a collection of novelty memorabilia displayed in the kitchen of her home in Beverly Hills, and it went up for auction recently, and a picture of the display was put on social media because uh, this went up for auction. And among the novelty items that she had on display in her kitchen was a box of bootios. I would be shocked. What? Didn't she die around the time that that came out? About a year ago. And it's, it's, bootios has been out for easily a year because they've done a couple things at Mania. So it's been out for I think it's been out for two years now I think. Wow! But, uh, I just I yeah I had, that one completely uh, missed me like I had completely missed. Did you that. look up the photo? Yeah, I just did. It looks uh, real, doesn't it? It does look. Wow! And even Big E t- uh, posted on Twitter when he heard about it. He posted on Twitter and said, "Is this real?" Yeah. So Kerry yeah, Fisher that... had a box of bootios allegedly. On display. Oh yeah, the, the, there's so much news that comes in, and you know we're we are not just a pro wrestling site. We cover all of like all the these like MMA, pro wrestling, boxing, and sometimes stuff slips away. 
Wow. If that one's true, that's that's pretty cool. Now, granted, she had it as a joke, as a novelty joke, but still, sure. right? Yeah. Still. So uh, let's talk about Chris Jericho. Uh, he revealed on his podcast recently that he auditioned for the role of Steel Horse from the Glow series on Netflix. It's the part that went to Alex Riley. And he mentioned that The Miz also auditioned for it. Uh, Chavo Guerrero was uh, on talking with him. Chavo was part of uh, the series. I think he was working with the talent. And, he trains them. Okay. And uh, he said that, uh, with all due respect to Chris Jericho, he said that Riley essentially uh, showed up for the audition in character. He was wearing a robe. Uh, and also, Jericho himself stated that he did his audition essentially via satellite from uh, backstage at a show in Alberta, from when he was at a WWE show in Alberta. Oh, wow. Whereas I think Riley auditioned in person. And that probably made a difference, too. So I thought it was, that was interesting. And, yeah, Riley's uh, living in L.A., yeah, and, and also, because you know, not that I'm going to generalize too much, but when it comes to casting agencies and stuff like that, you look at Raleigh, you look at Jericho, right? I can see them, because yeah. they don't know who Chris Jericho is. They, they don't give a shit who Chris Jericho no. is. So with they're going to they're, they're gonna go with the, with the guy that looks the part. Um, Jericho, it's also been announced, I believe it was announced by you, Sean, that uh, Fozzie has a gig on April 8th in New Hampshire, which is the day of yep. WrestleMania 34. And so it looks like Jericho won't be a part of WrestleMania. Uh, Mania's in New Orleans. Uh, his gig is in New Hampshire. That's about 1,500 miles apart. So unlikely that he's going to be We have a comment where somebody says, oh, yeah, Jericho getting too big to dedicate himself. Oh, Jericho. That's not the case. He had a scheduling conflict. And, yeah, and actually Jericho had said that he, wasn't, he didn't plan to do auditions anymore. Yeah. So I guess this was a, an exception that he made, but obviously – Yeah, I – Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I will be checking on Friday to see if those tickets for that show on WrestleMania Day actually go on sale. Wally's Pub, right? Yeah, because you know he's been known to troll people here yeah. and there. So yeah. I will be checking to make sure. But yeah, Fightful.com <laughs> was the first to have that news. There you go. Yeah, I saw it get picked up everywhere else. And no mention of Fightful. Good for you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's standard at this point. So last but not least on my list this week, Jim Johnston is no longer with WWE. Yeah, that that was the catalyst of what started that phone call I got last week mm -hmm. and the situation surrounding it because I was told he's done nothing with WWE for quite a while. Yeah, I can see that too. I can see it because and, um, yeah, he has he hasn't done really anything. Some WWE studio work, from yeah. what I understand. I mean, it seemed to me, honestly, it feels like he hasn't for quite a while because they've been using a lot of indie music. And I know with Bray Wyatt, because he's told the story about how Bray Wyatt himself chose his entrance music from a catalog. He had a catalog yeah. of, what do they call that music? Uh, stock music. Stock music. And Bray Wyatt had a catalog, and he went in and chose his, his own mentors music from the catalog. So, And that was already, what, four or five years ago for yes. Bray Wyatt. So when you when you think about that, this this isn't surprising. But Jim Johnston, uh, he was the composer for WWE for twenty years, twenty five years. I will probably. say some of the information that's out there on this is bad. Like like some of the backstage stuff that you all find from some of these Twitter accounts that, that don't really have the information. I was told that uh, that Jim Johnston kind of knew it was coming. He was getting paid quite a bit to do nothing. And I've mentioned this before. Sometimes WWE will hang on to people for an extra amount of time. Mm -hmm. And the person that I spoke to said that that was the case. Like they, they hung on to him without him doing anything. And it was kind of like a services rendered type of deal. Like we thank you for what you've done. Here's this. And okay. maybe, maybe he got some type of severance. I don't know. But WWE so it could have been, been like a Gorilla Monsoon deal. Yeah, WWE refused to 
issue comment on this. Like they had told me we don't comment on the status of employees. And I was like, yeah, just your independent contractors, right? You all do that all the time. And then speaking of, of, of Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, but, by the way, if I'm Jim Johnson, I run a WrestleMania weekend concert. Uh, does he have the rights? Do you have to have the rights to perform oh, songs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? So yes. how, do, how do bands perform cover songs? Uh, that's kind of different because they'll, they'll do a regular show of their stuff and then they'll throw in one cover. And oftentimes yeah. they'll do it. If you do an entire show of songs you don't know the rights to, profiting off of that, good luck. So how about tribute bands? There are tribute bands that do that. I think they get the rights. God damn. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he can secure the rights somehow. Maybe they'll work out a deal. I mean, That'd haven't cool. you ever – Jay Leno was on Joe Rogan a couple of years ago, and I don't know how this just popped into my head. But Jay Leno was on uh, Joe Rogan talking about how when the uh, Arsenio Hall show came back, Arsenio's mm-hmm. budget was so light – that if they had a guest come out, his band was not allowed to play the show's theme song that the, that this, that the actor oh, was wow. on. Yeah, they didn't have the rights to even do that because of the budget was so light. Well, um, I, I can't believe WWE <clears throat> never had him do it for access anyway. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Because imagine he could have stood there taking requests and just did it on the guitar. People would have ate that shit up. They would have loved it. Oh, they yeah. They would have loved it. Yeah. But whatever. He did an awesome job. I mean, even songs that you might not think about, like Gangrel's Entrance Music, which I thought was an awesome song. And he which, did which, oddly enough, uh, what was that Power Pro Wrestling or something that aired on Pop TV, actually, before Impact got on there? They were using that on their TV. And yeah. they were using, they were using like a lot of shit they were not Without allowed permission, to I'm sure. Without permission. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which is remarkable to me that they were able to get away with that. Uh huh, uh huh. I think sometimes WWE picks and chooses, uh, yeah. you know, because do they even have? It's it's one thing if you get a judgment, can you collect on the judgment? Yeah, right? that's that's very so, true. Yeah, so that's it for my list, man. What else you got going on this week, Jimmy? Uh, what do I got going on this week? Uh, uh, rental related stuff. Oh, taking my kid to see Santa tomorrow. My two oh, kids. Snap. Taking them to see Santa tomorrow. That's gonna be fun. Uh, dealing with renovations at the house. Lots of good stuff, Sean. Nice. I'm and going trying to, to run this little company that I have here, too. Trying to do yeah. that as well. That's kind of important. Where, where you have Virgil cardboard cutouts with macho man masks on them. That's right. This, this, this is a very professional environment. Have you uh, – so is the, is the contest done or anything for this? For this uh, uh, Ric Flair? I think we're going to extend it. We okay. didn't have as many entrants as I wanted. We're going to extend it a little bit. Okay. Because I'll – should... I'll you, announce it next week. You could do another one surrounding Jim Johnston. Maybe give away this defining moments Ric Flair right here, and yeah. you could do something about Jim Johnston. Maybe somebody picks their favorite uh, song. Yeah, that I think that's a good something. idea. I think we'll we'll probably start that next week. There you go, um, guys. Make sure you all visit Fightful.com. We got tons of stuff this weekend. <laughs> uh, our show, our wrap up show for UFC Fresno. It's not that big of a show, but we are going to do it on Sunday. Got a lot going on this weekend between UFC Fresno and uh, Invicta as well. And then next weekend, we have just a big wrestling weekend. Clash of Champions, Ring of Honor final battle. Uh, Ring of Honor is at that stage where I think it's it's kind of right for us to start doing post shows. So sure, yeah. I'll be on that, doing that. This weekend, I'm going to the Festival of Lights, Jimmy. For a split second, I thought Festival of Friendship was going to come out of your mouth on that <laughs> That would be much more fun to me. Much more fun to me. And I'm watching The Disaster Artist this Friday. Have you seen the previews for that? Yes, I have. Uh, Franco, right? Yeah, very yes. excited. Yes. 
That's I drive cool. all the way to Lexington. None of our turdy local theaters are showing it. So you know, Franco is one of those guys I respect because he doesn't take himself too seriously. No, he's... you know, especially this day and age where everybody's oversensitive and easily offended and quick to go on social media. And uh, I don't want to turn this into a rant, but this whole sexual misconduct thing. It, uh, it annoys me how people are guilty as soon as they're accused now. They're not proven guilty anymore. As soon as it comes out that they've been accused, they're guilty. That pisses me off. I also so. like that no role seems too small for James Franco. Yes, he did the, like a, a soap opera because he felt like it. Yeah. Just, yeah, I love that I like about it. him. That's awesome. I like it. Uh, Guys, too. make sure... Make sure you follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online, Facebook, and Twitter. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. we got a ton of stuff. I've got an AMA uh, forum post over in our open discussion on the Fightful forums. Go over there. Ask me really about anything. It can be uh, Fightful business. It can be about previous guests we've had, how they were to deal with. Lots of stuff you all can get over there and get active with on the forums. And, of course, check out James Lynch's MMA Industry Podcast for a look at kind of behind the scenes of covering MMA. We also had the Holy Smokes MMA Podcast yesterday where I made use of a lot of the footage that James Lynch sent us. Uh, if he goes to events in the future, we will continue to do that. Awesome. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a big, big week for Fightful, and I want to thank you guys so much. A lot of you have been here since the, the first week of July, like 2016. Mm -hmm. And we are really rapidly approaching our first full year ending at Fightful.com. So thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.